0: Welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed-Clark, and this is the place where we talk about the highs, lows, ins, outs of being a professional in 2021. In today's episode, we're actually going to get into something that affects all of us, no matter our industry, and that is race and friendships and interracial friendships (laughs) Today, I have on podcast hosts of It's Never Black and White, Marcy and Sloan. In addition to being podcast hosts, Marcy works in the employee engagement sector, and Sloan is a sex positive coach as well as someone working in the public health space. Thank you so much for all that you do. And in today's episode, we're getting into the pressure to categorize our friends based on race and class and introducing those, quote unquote, hard conversations on race and class um, into our friendships. We're also going to talk about if we feel the pressure to code switch, even as white people code switching to our black friends sex positivity and sex education also make a cameo in today's episode. And finally, we top it off with how to foster employee engagement and a virtual space. So, you know, grab some tea, grab just the warmest weighted blanket you have because we're really going to touch on everything and all the things in a very, very honest episode of Office Politics Podcast sloan and marcy thank you so much for being here today thanks for having
1: us
2: we're on a real podcast
1: we're so excited
0: (laughs) well for those who don't know i know i just gave you guys a little intro but do you mind telling us a little bit about yourselves and the podcast that you guys host
1: marcy's first
2: (laughs) i did the nose goes
1: i know nobody saw it exactly
2: hi (laughs) I'm Marcy Lindero. I am one half of the Black and It's Never Black and White podcast. And gosh, I live in Indianapolis with my husband and my cat. And I have a job that I'm very fortunate to love. I work in employee engagement for a global company, specifically in um, the tech team is, is where I support. So really excited to chat with you ladies today.
0: Awesome. Oh, that was
1: perfect. All right, Sloan, you got to follow that up. I out. know. Yikes. Um, <laughs> I am the other half of It's Never Black and White. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia with my husband and my two daughters. Um, and during the day, I manage um, national HIV campaigns for the government, focusing on HIV prevention and awareness. And on the side, um, I give everybody sex advice and... I am excited to be here. I love it. You both have like such cool jobs and this is already
0: way better than anything I could have asked for. <laughs> so, the way this all happened, um we're actually going to talk about unexpected connections in this first act. And it's really funny because Marcy, you and I met through Instagram. So, And it's weird. I feel like I talk to you more than I talk to anyone I've actually met in real life. And it's bananas because we've never met in real life.
2: I I know. This is like our second time seeing each other face to face. (laughs) And I'm so glad you did not think I was just a creepy stalker because I found (laughs) you on the financial diet. And I've like, I've, I've followed the financial diet for years and read a couple of your articles. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this girl is awesome. And of course at the bottom, it was like, Jasmine lives in Dallas with her husband and her dog. And here's her Instagram. And so I creeped all your Instagram pictures and I saw you had a picture of a Reggie Miller jersey, and oh, that's right. I was like, my husband's obsessed with Reggie Miller. Is your husband obsessed with Reggie Miller? And then we figured yes. out Jordan was from Indiana. And like I said, I'm just glad you didn't think I was some random creeper
0: that <laughs> oh, no. found you I'm... on the internet. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's only weird when people ask to be my sugar daddy, and I'm like, <laughs> and what is up an- with that? But and it's always a man where I'm like, you don't look like you have Must
2: the lifestyle,
0: the money to pay for a sugar baby. Mm-hmm. But OK. And um, and speaking of unexpected connections, I love your origin story. You guys talk about it on your podcast. But how about we give a little sneak peek into how you two met?
1: Um, sure. Yeah. We met at Purdue university where we both went to college. Um, we were both resident assistants. Um, Marcy swears she does it Volunteer. She did it because she needed money too, but I really think <laughs> she just loved it in her soul to help people. Um, but it can they, be both. It can be it, both. It's both, it's, it's both. Um, and they have a great package. And so we both were RAs and during RA training, um, you know, you all stand up in that sort of awkward round robin and introduce oh yourselves. Yeah. And I was super annoyed to be there. Anyone who's ever been a resident assistant at college knows you have to end your summer early. And it was super whack. So I was already <laughs> upset to be there. Um, but then also just honestly, I felt out of place. I was the only black person on the staff. And so I just didn't really feel connected to anyone And I wasn't looking for anyone in particular, but definitely not Marcy, because she was super positive (laughs) and smiley and happy to be there. Even if that's not really how she felt, that's what I saw. And so I felt like super negative Nancy being there, like, oh, look at her, just so excited to help the kids. And (laughs) um, we actually what really brought us closer is we ended up having lunch one day where you sit with random people and her and I end up sitting together with two other fellow RAs. And we were just doing the, you know, the regular getting to know you questions and sort of background on where we're from and who we are. And one of the, um, the other woman sitting at the table, a young white woman, she said, um, I volunteer in the public schools in my area. And I just love helping the little poor black kids with their little free lunches. Um, And I was livid, um, but I didn't know what to do. I think also being very cognizant of the fact that I was the only Black person and the only Black woman. I didn't want to, like, go off on her. I Mm -hmm. also, there was no way for me to stay at Purdue without being an RA. Like, that was the only financial Mm -hmm. path I had, so I didn't want to ruin that the first week. And Marcy, you know, I don't know, unbeknownst to her, stepped in and was like, do you want to go get some dessert? And I was like, yeah. Um, And we walked <laughs> yeah. to the dessert table and Marcy was like, I did not like that. And I was like, girl, me neither. And I just immediately felt seen and connected. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, that could have just been a one off situation with me and Marcy. And we could have just been co-workers. But then we developed into an organic, beautiful friendship that really became a family where we leaned on each other and were each other's family you know, away from family. So I'm just really thankful that that really awful um, poor decor moment um, turned into this beautiful friendship where I don't know if we would have connected otherwise if we hadn't both been RAs and both been at that dumbass table, having that dumbass Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm Oh. With that dumbass girl. With that <laughs> dumbass girl. Straight up.
0: Did she... And I feel like in that moment, she probably had no clue what she said was even... Absolutely. At, no, 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 no. Now, from it, bonding a friendship over an awkward situation um, to starting a podcast, how did the podcast start? And can you, you tell us a little bit about what it's
2: about? Ooh, Sure. So, yeah, the awkward moment at the Windsor dessert table really did grow into this, like, fast friendship where, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we both learned so much from each other. Sloan, you know, really changed my perspective. I had no idea what it was like to have a a Black best friend. And so I was really learning a lot about, you know the fact that my truth is not the universal truth, my reality Mm. is not a universal reality. And so, you know, we've had years and years to have these tough conversations and like, you know, learn all these things. She's, you know, come to my home, and I've come gone to her home. And, you know, we've really just opened each other's minds, I think, in a lot of ways. And we talked about, you know, people have always told us like, you know, you guys should write a book and write down all your misadventures and your adventures. And and neither of us wanted to write a book. And so kind of when 2020 hit and we we're, you know, I was on furlough for par- f- the first part of the year and we were like, what would be a cool project and a cool way to share the story that's not necessarily a book and we didn't think an Instagram page was the right way to do it. And we we found that we always just, anytime we get on the phone, we're on the phone for an hour minimum, just dropping, oh, you know, totally. truth bombs on each other and sharing advice <laughs> and wisdom and so it was like, how can we broaden this conversation beyond just the two of us and and bring in more folks who can can learn and benefit and who can inform and, and help us learn and grow as well. So that's gotcha. really where Absolutely. the podcast came from. And It's Never Black and White was honestly not the first title that we thought of. We had no idea what to name it. Um, and but it's
0: so good.
2: <laughs> thank you. The, the metaphor works, but it's really it's not just about the fact that, you know, I'm white and Sloan's black. The the, yeah. the goal is not for everyone to go out and get a black best friend <laughs> or a white best friend because that's not authentic and that's not genuine. Right. And so we just want to say this is, has been our journey. This has been our experience. Here's yeah. what we've learned and how can we share that uh, and, mm-hmm. and broaden the conversation? Oh, so, yeah. it's so good. And,
1: and I <laughs> wanted to add to that. I think the name came from, we were trying to figure out how we can talk about our conversations that live in the gray um, Mm -hmm. and how so much of our conversations are are the gray area of trying to figure out where we all stand and what that means. And we just kept throwing around gray stuff. It was like the gray this, the gray that, 50 blah, shades blah, of blah. It exactly. literally, we said that. Exactly. I think every other suggestion was 50 shades of gray. And we were like, this is clearly not it, but we just want to <laughs> keep throwing that gray out Besides, there. you might start your sex
0: positive podcast one day. So we have to keep that. Girl, you gotta know, throw that out into the
1: universe. Come on. Reach I for love it. it.
0: Now, I want to kind of segue and go a little bit deeper into, um, you know, those unexpected connections. Do you ever feel like you have to categorize your friends by, you know, lifestyle, class or race? And to kind of give you an example, I think before 2020, I used to and I can never pronounce this word, compartmentalize, compartmentalize my friends. And yeah, thank you. I know I've been working on a 2020 pronunciation, <laughs> so, enunciation, regardless. Um, and and it was just funny because I had never really let a lot of intersection happen. And I'd be like, okay, this is my friend where we talk about work. This is my other friend where we talk about reality shows. And then this is my friend, mm-hmm. like my black friends, where I can actually be a hundred percent my authentic black self. Um, and so it is something that I have been introducing to my friendships, which is like, no, you're actually going to accept all of me. And if you don't, now I understand how this friendship Period. or relationship needs to, you know, revolve, and <laughs> not evolve. Um, but I want to know if you guys have ever felt that pressure yourself.
1: Yeah, I definitely think Marcy and I's friendship is an example of that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when people see us, it's a little off, like, hmm, like what <laughs> what's going on here type thing. But the thing I always present about Marcy, and I'm always very honest about, um, especially working in uh, the field of public health, it's a lot of white women in that field. And I don't always have the best interactions um, with white women and yeah. but the reason I think I have them with Marcy and can have them with people who come to the table like this is because she allows me to be my authentic self I don't have to code switch for her I don't mm-hmm. have to all of a sudden be mm-hmm. like hello Marcy and like change my <laughs> voice or, or or she talk about skiing and I'm like girl I just love to ski when that's <laughs> not true like <laughs> I just feel like she allows me to be myself and I don't feel any sort of way about being like Um, What do do you do at a a derby? Or what do you do when Evan races cars? Like, I don't have to feel like I have to be like, oh, yeah, who won last year? Like, I don't feel that way. And I think that's the part about, you know, important, you know, relationship that you don't expect to have is that if that person allows you to be yourself,
2: Mm, you can mm -hmm.
1: build a relationship with N- anonymous whoever that name is so if true. they al- yes. because when you have to hide things and change things it that's not organic it doesn't feel natural to you and so i think with marcy's friendship i've learned like if you can't take me as i am i'm not mm. giving it and i'm not gonna code switch and do these things for people when i got a white best friend that is i'm good with and i think because you know race is really the thing that I think, divides us first in the United States because Mm -hmm. of our history. So there may be total other things with other Black people that I also don't even gel with. It's totally Black people that's skiing right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, But... Is I think because of uh, the history and the culture that race can really put a barrier that you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't rock with them that we don't rock. Like yeah. it doesn't make sense. I can only compartmentalize. And we decide that oftentimes, but I feel like Marcy allowed me not to even have to make that decision to compartmentalize myself. It it, it makes me teary eyed looking at her thinking about it because I I genuinely have some, some, some bad experiences with white women, honestly. Uh, And it's in that othering space, it's in that space of not giving me my uh, just due for work that I've done, taking my, also putting me in boxes that I didn't ask to be checked. Mm, Like, mm, you know, mm, like, mm. and and it's all of that. And I think, you know, walking up, feeling how I feel, it's like, oh, you're that black person. And I feel like Mm -hmm. Marcy never, she entered my world and didn't, didn't feel like, oh, I'm in like you're my ornament. Like she came to the Greek <sighs> yeah. step shows. She came to the to the black club. She mm-hmm. came with me um to St. Louis to the all black areas. Like she never was like, ooh, should we be here right now? Yeah. Like she never right. made me feel like I needed to make space for her. And I mm. feel like that othering is something that frequently happens in those yeah. relations- those interracial friendships and relationships that are not authentic, where people mm. are not able yes. to come to the table as themselves and I feel like even when I come into Marcy's world I honestly feel like she got me like and I think that's the other piece right While I'll be honest truth bomb you know I'd have been in her world and there have been some people I've been like hell no like <laughs> I'm good on that but she never is like oh no it's okay just you know just diet down or like do this or do that oh. She like well fuck that like yes. what happened <laughs> like you know like she's always on my side and recognizing that she's known me well enough that if awesome. I feel dismissed or not seen that it's actually happening like she's never been like this is the thing I always get with white women that I work with the other women I'm cool with is like it could be that but let me just say <laughs> something else are you sure that it was? And I'm like, wait a minute, bit, Didn't you just hear my whole 30-minute explanation of what it was? I know Slide. what happened to me. Let I me know tra- what happened to me. Marcy never does that. When I tell her they were racist, they did this. They didn't say the N-word, but let me tell you, they act like I wasn't there and this is what happened. They talked to me and she's like, they were being racist. Exactly and, you know oh, like and she and she validates me, so I feel like that's that's what you need is not an othering but a validation that your life matters that your experiences matter and that your voice deserves to be heard and not and she doesn't overspeak my experience into what she thought might have happened, normally because we'd be on the same page, but yes. you know she she listens to me and I appreciate that.
0: Let me just say, and then Marcy, will volley it to yeah, you. Yeah, can I talk?
2: <laughs>
1: yes, I know. I'm just speaking up on you. I'm just, I'm like, this Marcy now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, the, 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 the quick, quick, quick thing I wanted to say was
0: the validation part because if I had a dollar for every time I was venting to a friend and they're like I mean let's just assume positive intent like maybe you're just reading it in that way and I'm like no I don't want to play the race card in fact I want to look at all the other cards before I'm more willing to think maybe I'm a shitty person before I'm like this person is racist Mm. so Marcy thank you now Marcy let me you know the mic is yours boo I
2: mean, I just, I'm humbled and seriously, like, it, it, you're all making it sound like it was way more graceful to get here than it was, because it was not. Like, yeah. I think I think <laughs> part of the experience, and, and back to your original question, is categorizing friends by lifestyle, class, race. I think the reality okay. of, of my upbringing in, sub, you know, suburb of Indy, all, you know, primarily white school had primarily white friends. Like I think it's just very easy to unintentionally kind of categorize your friendships by lifestyle class and Mm -hmm. race and Mm -hmm. people who do the same thing and like the same thing tend to hang out with people who do the same thing and like the same thing. So I do think that to Sloan's credit, She has always made me feel like I can bring my full self to this relationship. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I might talk about Seinfeld and she'll give me the side (laughs) eye and that's fine. And that's okay. You don't like Seinfeld? I love. Come on.
1: I I mean, it's all right. It's all right. You know what I mean?
0: You know, the one white show I can't get down with and I want to like it is Friends.
2: Like, it's fine. Uh, Friends has not aged well. Like, Friends in 2020 just does not have the same you know, I get that there's the nostalgic vibe and and that's all comforting, but like friends in 2020 does not hold up. There's just a lot of problematic stuff. I'll give y'all will and grace. (laughs) Okay. I've,
0: Oh, I love
1: Will and Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you Will and Grace. <laughs> but,
2: but the point is, the point is, Sloane never asked me to change who I was either. So, you know, when we go to Ferguson and we go to a grocery store, and she goes, "Hey, uh, stay close. Um, I don't let my grandmother come here." I'm like, "Okay." So yeah. we're here, but then somehow I end up chatting with this nice man in the you I know you. cracker aisle and we are like talking and sloan is like why are you talking to people don't talk to people we are not here to talk to people we are here to get in and out and so you know to, for better or for worse i think my parents raised me to treat everyone yeah. with love and kindness and 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 I, I i hope that that's what most people in our country are trying to do right now, right. where we get stuck and where we get caught up is the how. Because I think
0: mm, that's when, a, yes. when
2: all these white women are like, well, have you considered the positive intent? Have you considered the flip side? And that's harmful and that's violent and that's not okay. And we need to have these conversations, oftentimes white women to white women to say, hey, stop doing that. Don't <sighs> deny reality right. from, from a perspective that you've never seen. And so I think the ability to be yourself unapologetically and wholly in any relationship is so, so important. And it takes a lot of therapy. It takes a lot of <laughs> self-reflection to get to that point. Preach. Because, I mean, and Sloan is giving me credit to go to these step throws and these, you know, this... Um, fraternity and sorority functions I'm sure I was awkward as hell and very uncomfortable in some of these moments but you know it's it's a learning experience and and however you get there I think it's you know how do you want to make your friends feel do people feel better after you leave their presence or not and you know really tuning in and and trying to you know allow that person to be their full selves, I think that's something that we both do for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never, I mean, there was never a time when Sloane said, hey, that's too white for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to be my whole awkward, little Indiana girl self with her. And, oh. and that's, you know, how we got to be where we are.
1: And I do think one thing I want to add, because I feel like I'm speaking so positively, because this is us 10 years in the making, but I, in the beginning, we had some rough moments. And I think on our last episode, we kind of touched on some of our first interactions that I had with the police and sort of how Marcy yes. saw life through my lens. And But I think the, the best thing that we're pulling out of this and why we're able to talk about the positives is because she was willing to do the work on herself. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. we were willing to do the work on our friendship. Like I knew she was a good person, a genuine person. I also just knew that from her perspective and her life, she didn't see the world that I was seeing. And I think when you come into someone's world and you're like, I'm not going to try and change it. I'm going to be open Mm. to it and learn. That's where you can be here 10 years later where when she didn't say like, oh, you're overreacting, the police aren't, like, where she's still, we're still not having that same conversation today because if we were, we wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't have the deep friendship we do. So I wanted to acknowledge, I am speaking positively because we're at plus 10 years. But the beginning years were a a learning curve for both of us.
2: Absolutely.
0: And Sloane, you brought, that's kind of, I'm having like a revelation in the middle of this. So thank you both. And that is, it's not that we're trying to change people's worlds. It's that we're trying, it's like a deeper level of empathy. And as you brought that up, I think that's something I'm currently learning because, look, I'll call myself out. I think I want everyone to be just as ambitious as I am and have these lofty goals. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you there. And I've had a few friendships where I've had to tell myself like, okay, if that person doesn't want to be the best or the next blank it's it is like I think I used to take on a lot of people's lives and be like okay I'm gonna help you get there and I'm gonna do this I know Marcy you're into the Enneagram Sloan Mm -hmm. are you okay (laughs) so I because I feel like I'm like a huge mix between a two three and a four like and so I feel like my two and my three comes out heavy with friendships oh Marcy I know i know
1: okay i know what you all talking about i had to take a second marcy put me on this yeah it took me a second yes yes
0: and so just to hear you both speak to that i think that's a really humbling reminder for myself even in this moment and um realizing that to accept to meet people where they're at and to accept people as they are and not who we want them to be so Mm -hmm. that's deep yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Girl. And the next question I have for you is, you know, have you ever felt the pressure to code switch in friendships or water down your past traumas? Are you ever afraid of like keeping it real all the time and not necessarily with each other,
1: but just in your friendships in general? Um. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'm gonna step away from race for a second. I think even as Things have changed for my life, like being someone with kids and having friends Mm. that don't have kids, um, not being as like able to to be on the phone all night and figure out problems or being able to be out all the time or being able to just drop things with, you know. But also in my 30s, I've been also trying to figure out how those friendships matter to me. And so I don't want to lose them either. So I think that there is a balance because I think moms also need to have those friends if they're supportive, whether they have kids or not, because you need your group. You need your your clique. And so I think and then I also think being having friends that are single, being married. I remember being single, let me tell yes. you, with Marcy and her husband, they are unbelievably cute together. And it <laughs> is almost to the point of disgusting, but also beautiful, right? And perfect. I used to be sitting with them when they was wiping off stuff off each other's face and like, God damn it, when I'm going to get somebody, you know, and... <laughs> So I remember that feeling of being single and yeah. now being in a relationship, I think also trying to balance like, because now I'm the person that's like, you don't get it, you, you're married, you know? And I'm like, girl, wait a minute. Like, you know, I used to be that, but I also then now have been recognizing like, but you're not, you're not there anymore. So that same meeting people where they are. So I do think sometimes in those conversations with people who don't have kids or people who aren't married and there are different conversations going on, I purposely sort of code switch and, and try yeah. to meet them where they are and be like, okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. Yes. I think when it comes to race, I have been actively deciding not to code switch and it has been making people very uncomfortable with me. Um, I have, I recently just had a very uncomfortable situation with a white woman on my team feeling like I'm being too black or I'm using my blackness as a way to have a space in the conversation. Um, and I, it, I was hurt by it at first. Like, wait a minute. I thought I was raising concerns about how we can have equitable hiring practices at our job and allowing people to feel that they can move up and do different things. And they're not being held back by their race, but it it, it was presented to me differently. And so I think, but I'm fine with that at the end because I decided I'm not going to be silent because, yeah. I'm at the table for a reason and a lot of us don't get to the table. So I'm going to be my whole black ass self. And if you don't like it, that's cool too. And we'll just keep it moving. You can always be professional, even with people you don't like. But I think choosing, I'm actively choosing to not to co-switch. And I remember even one of our earlier episodes, I like told Marcy later that I didn't like the way I sounded because I think just by the fact that I felt like, oh, this is super professional and we're doing a podcast now that I need to like change my voice to right. be a little bit more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though I don't sound like that. Right, so, right, right. and I was putting effort into doing that and I didn't even notice I was happening until I listened to it. And Marcia, like, how did it sound? I'm like, it sucked because <laughs> I don't sound like that, you know? Right. So I think it's also, we can't be hard on ourselves as we try to navigate how to be our authentic selves mm. because the standards that have been put in place have society has made us feel like we can't be ourselves in a lot of these spaces. So working against that, all of that unlearning, and Marcy and I talk about this on our podcast, that unlearning is constant work. Constant
0: work. Absolutely. Marcy, what about you? Do you ever feel that pressure to code switch or, you know, uh, maybe sometimes pretend that you get it, even if in the moment you really don't get it.
2: Oh yeah. I think you're, you're, revelation earlier about just meeting people where they are I think I'm I'm sort of the same you know I want people to be better I want us to move forward and Mm -hmm. and make progress and you know in this summer I think a lot of people were sort of diving into some of this anti-racism language and work and and so I had a lot of messages from friends like well where do I begin and I had to you know really take a moment and take a breath and take a pause because mm-hmm. my first reaction was judgment and anger. Right. Oh. I realized mm-hmm. that, that, you know, I was once where they are and, you know, I have to meet folks where they are. And so, I, you know, in, in the interest of keeping it real, how can I impart wisdom and share resources and, and share my journey and what I've learned, but also give grace and understand that everybody's, on a different stone mm-hmm. in this path and nobody's ahead and nobody's behind there is no like linear progression we're all I just sort
0: of you saying moving that around mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
2: so i think this summer was a good it was a good exercise for me to take a pause and understand that that this reason I'm sitting in judgment and anger is because it feels one safe for me to say well I'm not like that I'm Mm, better mm, mm. I have done the work I have done all this stuff and and part of the work is realizing that no nobody's ahead nobody's behind we're all just trying to do the best we can starting from wherever it is that we're starting from and so I think I've learned you know and I think part of that is getting older you know when yeah. 30 mm-hmm. I'm like you know what I am who I am and Here you can is. take me or leave me love me or whatever but it's about you at that point I'm all I can do is show ooh, up as ooh, me ooh. Mm-hmm. and you can yeah. you you can meet me where I am as well so I don't I don't think it's it's as much code switching for me I'm yeah. you know I'm a white woman working in a primarily yeah. white organization where people yeah. make Seinfeld jokes and I know what they mean and <laughs> I don't have to ask about skiing or anything like that. So that's, you know, you real. Know, that's just my reality. But I, I do think, like I said, this summer was was a good lesson for me in just meeting people where they are and giving grace and understanding yep. that we're all just doing our best.
1: Absolutely.
0: You you brought up a word as you were talking. And so now that you've said it, grace. And I think about grace and tolerance a lot in friendships, you know, from the most surface level friendships to the friendships I've had for a decade. Um, So... There's no right answer, obviously, but what do you feel like is the greatest difference between having grace with people in your life, you know, who have different political views than you, who have different beliefs than you do? Um, What's the difference between grace and then coming to the point of realizing I can't tolerate this energy within my space any longer?
1: Mm.
2: Ooh. Ooh, this summer brought out a lot of those <laughs> feelings and conversations too. And, and they were always there, right? Like mm-hmm. right. the summer didn't begin this, this summer didn't invent police brutality or, or, or the need to have these conversations. This, right. I think we were all stuck at home and, and it, it, just really brought everything to the forefront. And, you know, this is a conversation I've had with some other folks as well. You know, how can we, cause you're right for me running into people that I either work with or people in my circle who might have different political views or different leanings and in other ways, I really have to kind of determine where do I give grace and where do mm. I draw a boundary? And I think for me, it's all about mm. boundaries. Mm. If yeah. if someone good. says That's something yeah. that yeah. I don't agree with, I, I don't have to awkwardly laugh. I can <sighs> sit there silently or I can Period. politely and yeah. kindly just let that person know that a that's not acceptable and b that's not what i believe and so for me i think it's boundaries it's it's values behind the policies so policies are important to change people's lives but the values are super important too uh, are we trying to help people be successful yes what can we do to make that happen are we trying yes. to make our workplace safe for all people mm-hmm. Yes. What can uh-huh. we do to make that happen and to, to help that? Especially earlier,
0: much earlier, more so when I was in college. I think race used to go almost be this elephant in the room with some friendships. And it was mm-hmm. almost like I didn't even want to talk about it because I'm like, because eh. I grew up in a predominantly white space. So I knew what it was like to like literally true story, have friends who were not allowed to come to my house or this happened when I was young, say like, hey, do you have a brother? So I'm an only child, and this is how I learned what the word brother meant. Um, my friend was like, hey, do you have a brother? Um, I was like, I don't I don't know. So I went home, and I'm like, mom, what's a brother? And, you know, she's, she explains it to me, and she's like, why? And I'm like, oh, because Abby said she can't come to my house if I have a brother. And, you know, you're like five, six, and I don't understand. And You're five years old? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Jasmine, stop it. I can't. Yeah.
0: And so uh, my mom talked to Abby's mom and of course her mom denies it. And she's like, well, then where the hell did my five-year-old daughter get like this whole thing from? Um, And my mom remembers that till this day, by the way. And anyhow, so I just remember, I think when you deal with those sort of like traumatic events as a kid, you're like... I think race sometimes I, – I did treat it like an elephant in the room because I'm like, oh, my God, if we bring up race and then I find out that your family's racist or that you're racist, then, you know, we can't mm. – and then I don't want to be alone because, like, I'm tired of eating by myself. Um, mm. Now, thankfully, through therapy, I did grow out of that, and um, and it was something that I explored right after college because I was like, I'm a black woman now. I'm very tired of – I felt like I was living a double life. For a very Mm. long time. And so I'm very grateful. For therapy. For getting me through that. And realizing if somebody doesn't want to accept. The black part of you. Like I wrote an article. Like my black is not sold separately. So it's like if somebody can't accept that part. Then they're not accepting you. And like. It's okay to cut them out. So I think you put that really eloquently. And very beautifully. Marcy Sloan. Anything you want to add to that?
1: Man, I think just listening to you both and Jasmine, I'm just, let me tell you, sis, just proud you came out of that because I think to be born Black in America is um, difficult. Mm
2: -hmm. And and
1: then to have to maneuver who you are as a child, I'm doing that with two young Black girls. It is a hard balance because I, I have two sides. I would... I was I feel like, you know, all of the people who knew me, I want to say before because I do this because I've always this has been here. But I have evolved um, into, you know, a lot more conscious about my blackness and Mm -hmm. the brainwashing that has occurred and, you know, different things. I mean, I mean, down to like, you know, my daughter loves Elsa and wanted to be (laughs) her for um halloween and i think it's a great movie i really do yep. i cried mm-hmm. the first time i was like damn he ain't shit like <laughs> you know i think it's a great movie but i also recognize that my daughters don't get to see themselves in a lot of those spaces and mm-hmm. so when it came with the blonde wig i was like she can't wear that like yeah, right i want she gonna have to wear her hair out twist it out with her beautiful natural black hair because yes. i want her to know that no matter what space she's in if there are 20 white people in the room you are still beautiful. You are still Mm -hmm. you and your blackness is not going to be dimmed for anybody. And if they don't like it, then get out. Um, But I think that's easier said than done when Mm -hmm. you often enter these spaces that the world isn't just black. And so you're going to interact with other cultures and other and their parents have raised them to believe certain things. So I just think, you know, navigating that. But the word I took from this conversation, was boundaries. I am mm-hmm. really serious about those boundaries. I can totally be friends with somebody that has different political views than me. It right. really doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. But if you're racist, that's it. Right. That's a non-starter, <laughs> right? And if you're not if negotiable. you're racist and you're not trying to work on it, like if there are certain things you say, like the girl at the table, she thought because there was a Black girl at the table that the way she can relate to me is that we all... Or poor and dirty and we get these little free lunches, not that she was going to, but if she was really wanting to grow, we could have had a serious conversation about poverty and white supremacy and systemic racism and how all yes. of that plays into every statement that she outlined at that table. But if you're not willing to go through that journey with me, then I won't even attempt to act as if we're truly friends. And so yes. I think that boundary is a real thing. And Recently, you know, I've had these conversations because of 2020, like trying to correct people. I think social media has become the space where you're like, wait a minute, bitch! like don't (laughs) say like what's that about? And I I went to an all white Catholic all girls school. And so I have a lot of friends that, not, I'm gonna say Facebook friends that think differently than me. And just seeing these comments, I think it's one thing to have a political view, but if your value is that you're better than somebody or someone's trying to take something from you because they're just trying to make a living or that these stereotypes are that people, Or 400 plus years of systemic racism doesn't impact our economic, uh, our educational disparities among African Americans. If you're not willing to see that, to me, that is racist. And I think 2020 showed us that a lot of people are like, if I I didn't call you the N word, so I'm not, so you're not racist. Mm. But it's deeper than that. It is your value, it is what you teach. It is, would you let your kid play with my kid? You know? But also, what I realized this year, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I would let my kid play with your kid. Like, Mm. because I I don't feel that that is a safe space for my children. Mm. Like, I don't want them to be in spaces where I have to be like, well, you know, we got. Honestly, I took my daughter out of soccer last year because she was being ignored. The kids were being mean to her. She was one of the only Black kids on the team. And it's not the five-year-old's fault. It's the dumbass parents that's standing on the side with me. Mm, you know, yep. that they, mm-hmm. they aren't correcting some of these behaviors because you have taught them to these kids. And on one of our episodes, I say this, and it's not that Marcy is the all-being angel, but she is the only person I can pinpoint that in my life that has gone through this journey with me. So I use her as an example. But I don't think it's about all of the sudden getting a Marcy I think it's about teaching uh Mm -hmm. someone like Marcy growing a Marcy where you teach your kids you teach your mom you teach your friends because in 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 my world there aren't going to be a bunch of racist people coming to me being like black people like that's not a thing but Marcy's more likely to hear that than I am so it is that world in which you can really you're really got to jump in and get awkward because you're probably thinking differently than people around you and get to educating and I know that's difficult, but I believe that that is the role. When white women ask me, what can I do? I'm like, talk to your mom. Talk to mm-hmm. your sister. Talk to your the neighbor. Talk to your friend that's in the organization. You don't have to come to me and ask me what I need. I'm okay. I'm going through my own journey trying to raise these kids in the world that's been created. But what are you doing in your yep. world? Something that your podcast is always a incredible reminder of is the
0: unlearning. Um, and I think with me, it's come through more so with like classism and thinking about just just having to understand Mm -hmm. how systemic oppression relates to class. And Mm -hmm. um, like Mm -hmm. one thing my husband brought up, and it's just so interesting just to see our evolution in five years. But he, I remember when we first met, he was like, you know, we always treat charity like it's so heartwarming, but really like it's just fucked up that we live in a world where like we have to have charities and and he doesn't and he doesn't mean that to say don't give or don't do charities. It, he's just saying like it shouldn't come down to like all these organizations to do what the government should be doing. And it's just so funny cuz 5 years ago I was like, well, no, I you know, maybe you are thinking like doing the like well, you know, have we thought
2: about it like this from the other (laughs) side yeah
0: (laughs) and now it's funny because i did angels at my church i was getting their toys today at target and i'm like this is so fucked up they need coats like we like and again i'm buying the coats it's not that i'm not going to like boycott charities it's now understanding how much of a problem it is, and that it was never meant to be this like feel good for like middle class and upper middle class people. It's you should be just as fucking outraged that this is the world we live in, and so i, I I've been reading a lot of rhetoric about the difference between allyship and like white saviorism, and you know mm. maybe you can insert that mm. with like rich saviorism, whatever it is, sure, but sure. um but yeah, so that's something that like you guys, their podcast, I think I always walk away remembering like there's still so much unlearning learning to do and that is okay. It's putting in the work. Um, now, when we come back, we are going to get into act two, which is sex education and employee engagement. We'll get into what you guys do outside of the podcast when we come back. I may not even know you personally, but I already know one resolution that's on your list. To read more, to rest more, to take more moments to stop and spend time with yourself. Self-care. Maybe all of those things are on your list. Regardless, I got just the thing to kick off your new year right. If you're looking to read more or really dive more into self-care, you have to get your hands on Revolt Careers' BYOB Revolt Be Your Own Boss book. First of all, it's $12.99, but with my discount code, OfficePolitics, you get 25% off. So for next to nothing, you get to learn the methodology written in BYOB Revolt now used on all of their platforms, which is a brick-by-brick strategy to navigate your professional destiny on your own terms. So, are you just tired of looking at other people's blueprints or trying to define success on someone else's terms? I was tired of the same thing, and thankfully, I stumbled across BYOB Revolt, um, which is now Revolt Career Network, and from there, I got to learn everything that I needed to know in order to really become the entrepreneur that I am today. So again, Whether you're looking to read or become a better business person, consider going over to revoltcareernetwork.com, getting your hands on the BYOB Revolt, Be Your Own Boss book. And don't forget, if you use offer code OFFICEPOLITICS, you get 25% off the book as well as anything else on the site. And if you read it, snap a pic, tag me, let me know what you thought. So, Salone, question for you: What are the effects of deprioritizing sex and self pleasure?
1: Ooh, hidden with a deep one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think a lot of times, and I think especially um, women, we deprioritize our own pleasure and our own needs, and a lot of it is the societal impact of just not feeling empowered to communicate our needs and this sort of society of like, oh, this is what a hoe is and this is what promiscuity is and this is the role of a woman and the woman is there to enjoy whatever the man is doing, Mm -hmm. even if it's fucked up. Um, And I will say, I know some of these uh, dynamics also play out in LGBTQ relationships. So I think it's just the communication of not feeling empowered to speak on what you need. But also, I always tell people that I'm educating is step one is figuring out what you need outside of somebody. I, my husband gets mad because I'm, I'll just say masturbate like it's Tuesday. (laughs) You don't have to do it, but you need to figure out your body. And, and I think, and I am even someone who is in sex education, sexual health. I also didn't figure out my body until I was an adult because that's not taught. You know, you, you lay down somewhere and you do it and you get up and you're like, oh, that's amazing. Even though you like, I mean, that shit didn't pop like I thought it was supposed to. Or I thought it was supposed to be on the pores. It's like, Pachoo. it's like this huge explosion that occurs. But you're like, ah, ah, and you just, and then you made it through. And yes. it's not until we find our own sexual voice. And I think this is just a part of maturity too. Although I am excited that this new generation is just growing up more sex positive. Like I talk about sex with my five year old, you know, um, in a very age appropriate way. So right now with five year, I'm talking about hygiene. I'm talking about the difference between body parts. I'm talking about your space is a super important thing to talk about with young kids is making sure that people they understand their boundary. Like even a five year old, I tell her, if you don't want somebody in your space, you don't want somebody touching you. They shouldn't be there.
2: So Mm -hmm, it's important, mm -hmm. like, I don't
1: make my kids in the holidays be like, go hug such and such. Like, if they don't go hug, they didn't want to hug you. And that's (laughs) fine with me. And my husband and I are both on that. And so I'm happy about that. But I think, you know, the deprioritizing of ourselves Mm -hmm. is a natural sort of uh, societal implication that happens of like not being able to speak out about your sexuality because sex has been so taboo in our Mm -hmm. society is because we over-sexualize everything. So it's not talked about as like the reason the three of us are sitting here is because somebody did it. So (laughs) that's the basis of where I come at sex education. So that's number one. So you're here because somebody did it. But also figuring out your body is super important and not just like masturbating, but like, what do you have certain lumps on certain sides that have always been there? You know, like knowing what your body looks like. I really believe everybody should take a mirror to their vagina and Mm -hmm. just go in like, look at that bit, like figure (laughs) it out. Like, okay, that's what's happening. Because if you're going to let someone else explore, you should explore it yourself. So I think that's number one. And then I think once you hit that, we can have a whole two hour discussion on sex. But I think once you figure out yourself and learn how to communicate, once you start communicating, somebody who loves you going to be like, oh, I didn't know. Because people been lying to them the whole time. If you got with a man or a woman, they've been having sex for 10, 5, 2 years people been lying like (laughs) they they thought they were doing everything right everything they decided to do until they got with you and said aha actually Mm. I like a little rub on the shoulder first you know like (laughs) I like a little so learn yourself and advocate for yourself is what I think um Um, how you can avoid deprioritizing um sex is when you put yourself first and express what that means to a partner
0: and and I think so right now I'm working with a therapist who also specializes in like sex, pleasure, and abundance. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting through my work with her learning how pleasure just, it is, it intersects every section of your life down to how you enjoy food, how you enjoy chocolate, how you advocate for yourself. And something I'm learning, like as of like this week, I love to rush my pleasure. Like I love to like eat really fast. Mm. And I like to get to the next thing. And I like to down a drink really fast. And then, you know, it, it relates to the bedroom too. Like, okay, let me let me have my orgasm so I can focus on his orgasm. And it's just realizing you don't actually have to rush pleasure. You don't have to like scarf food down your face in two seconds and realizing that pleasure can last. And now we're trying to figure out, okay, like, where did I get that, you know, story and narrative that like, I need that I'm going to be deprived of it. So I need to like engulf myself. <laughs> so yeah, I love, I love, I love hearing that.
1: And I and- think to your point, pleasure, we only frequently think about it when it comes to sexual intercourse. Yeah. And even in the sex space, a lot of people enjoy not having sex, just yeah. being held, kissed on, caressed, um, you know, said, Uh, you know, whispers in your ear, massages, like all of that Mm -hmm. is a part of your sexuality and your sexual health and how you explore each other. And it's not just about the actual act of sex. And I think that evolution, once we all kind of get there, will broaden a lot of people's scope of what their sex can be. Because I think oftentimes women are like, oh, I don't want to do it. Or maybe even men are like, oh, I don't want to do it. And you feel bad because you're like, but I love my partner. I'm attracted to them. It's not that Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. But it's like, in this moment, my pleasure and my needs are requiring something else. And that may not be actual intercourse, but may be laying together naked, taking a shower, all of these other things that can be yes. encompassed in your sexuality and how you express your sexual stuff.
0: I love that. Everyone take note. That was good. Ooh. I think we all needed to hear that. I don't care who you are. <laughs> <laughs> And Marcy, you and I have a love, a shared passion for employee engagement. Don't, I, uh, Sloan, I also have a shared passion for sex positivity. <laughs> Just let's be very, very clear.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, now, what are the effects um, when we deprioritize employee wellness and employee engagement in the workplace?
2: Ooh, that is such an important question because I think – You know, to your point, we live in this world of efficiency, efficiency, efficiency at all costs. How can we make the most money in the least amount of time with the fewest people and go, 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 go and return on investment Mm -hmm. every quarter from here until eternity? I I think (laughs) we've gotten into this hustle sort of mentality, and the effects of that can be super devastating. It can lead to burnout. It can lead to Mm -hmm. mental health problems. It can like, truly put people's lives at risk in the most dire of circumstances. And even in the most normal of circumstances, make your workplace a terrible place to work. So I, I think it's really... The important thing to remember, too, is you can also go the other way and swing too far and Mm -hmm. put ping pong tables everywhere and beer taps Mm -hmm. everywhere and think you're doing employee engagement and think you're doing Mm -hmm. employee wellness. And how can we find that that middle ground where we are, you know, doing really challenging work? We're paying people what they need to be paid. We are Mm -hmm. hiring people who are the best for the job, but also making sure we have diversity in all ways, diversity of thought, diversity. In all yep. ways, and not not sort of commercializing this employee engagement to just check the box and say, well, we did it, and uh-huh. everyone should feel great now. And so to Sloan's point, I didn't know that we'd be able to connect employee engagement and sexual <laughs> education here, but really having that conversation of, of asking the employee, what do you need? Do you need more money? Do you need more paid yes. vacation? Do you need childcare stipends like it's that communication yes. piece that is so so important
0: oh my god I love that oh man and I love the connection Marcy bonus points I love it <laughs> <laughs> um actually I have an off the cuff question for you anything like what was one of the biggest shifts you saw now that we're virtual and I know you were furloughed for a little bit Because, you know, I'm no longer in a nine to five corporate setting, but I was thinking, God, this is a tough thing to resolve is like, how do you keep engagement when everyone's virtual during a pandemic when rightfully they are scared shitless?
2: Sure. I think it's, yeah, 2020 has been a ride. And I'm, I'm very lucky to work for an organization with leaders who are open and have we have employee engagement at the table from a strategy perspective, from a communication perspective. And so we sort of walk that fine line of, you know, we're not this toxic positivity factory where we're like, just keep working. Everything <laughs> is fine. Everything is great. No, 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 no. The world is in a rough yeah. place right now in multiple spheres and in multiple ways. And so what can we do to support our team members and I'm very lucky to work on a team that that is the number one focus. We're here for the people. What can we do to make work more human? What can we do Mm. to feed that connection? Because I feel like we're all feeling so disconnected, looking at each other through screens uh, and via email and text. And so we lose that human connection piece. And we've done a lot to just make sure that if if we're not running into each other in the halls, how can we drive that connection? And I'm... I'm finding we're doing it in very low-tech ways to where we have – we literally mail a postcard (gasps) to people's homes and it has like – our team members faces and trivia answers and questions and what? different oh, people that. show up in your mailbox every single week. And they're your friends. They're your coworkers oh, that you cute. would, you would is, normally see I day to day. And, and people put them on their fridge. My husband has read them and says, Oh my gosh, I love reading all these fun quirky answers that your team members have shared. That's and awesome. it's, it seems low tech, right? To send a postcard. And we, we, collected the answers, we print the postcards, we cut them up, and we send them out. And people have just loved it. And they're also, I think we're all sick of Zoom happy hours after Zoom happy Thank you. hours Thank you. after Zoom Thank you. happy hours. Yep. Period. So finding other ways to connect, whether that is through a postcard or just another way to uh, remind your team that we're all in this together. We're all still people, even though we're communicating in a different way, we're working in a much different way. Everything looks different right now, but how can we sustain that connection? Mm,
0: Brilliant. Oh, I love that idea. I hope somebody out there is using it and pitching it at their next meeting. And, you know, finally, before we get into the industry rapid fire, what can we do today to empower ourselves and our friendships and our relationships?
1: I think really that, that word that sticks out, a couple of words that we've been repeating, values, yeah. boundaries. I think to know yourself is to build relationships with others. Oh, wow. You know, when you know who you are, mm. you're able to build authentic, organic, deep relationships with other people. And you're also mm. able to be fine with relationships that are what they are. They are a coworker. Mm. They are surfacey, They are... I just like talking about the show that just came on yesterday and you don't feel like you need to validate that it's not deep because you know you. So I think it's it's to know yourself. The work always begins with you looking at that man in the mirror.
0: I feel like I need to hear that on repeat every day. And it's just so good because um, I think I'm just tearing up because one of the gifts 2020 gave me was this, I don't even know if I would call it confidence as much as it's just like, holy shit, I could die tomorrow. You know what I mean? And 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 it and life's too short to not be authentic and be my myself and to not really lean into who I am and stop putting certain parts away for people and making sure everyone's comfortable and I'm a hospitable person and I always will be, but realizing that if I'm not for you, I'm probably never going to be for you. So I don't need to pretend I'm for you. So Sloan, I think that you're right on the money and it's interesting just to see how this year is probably the year I started to lean into that very notion and I've had some relationships kind of go to the wayside, but a lot of relationships really go deeper and – Anyway, that was really, really awesome, <laughs> Marcy.
2: Yeah. Do you want to
0: add to that? You want to yeah, leave it there?
2: I, just to, oh, I have one little add, but I, I think that twenty twenty has just put a microscope on all the things that already exist. This has yeah. just
0: oh, that's good. Brought, yeah. brought
2: to the surface things that we didn't normally talk about before. Brought to the surface mm. what's actually really important. They. It, Your family, your health, your safety, you know, all of those things have just risen to the top very rapidly and sort of forced a reckoning that we haven't had in a lot of other years. And the fact that everything got so quiet for so long really had, I'm sure, an effect of people looking inward and saying, okay, okay who who am i what am i here to do if i'm not rushing to work and to pilates and soccer practice and this and that and that if 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 all of that gets quiet for even a short amount of time that space allows then for, for other things to come. And I, I think as you're learning, and as yep. you both said, building that relationship with yourself, that allows you to see what you can release, which then makes mm, room mm, for what's truly mm-hmm. supposed to come to you. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's gonna oh, I like love that truly feed you and fuel what, what happens in the, in the future. So gosh, yeah, I didn't, you guys put it so beautifully. Uh, So did you?
0: That was see these are these are the golden nuggets you guys can be catching on their podcast. So next we're going to go into the rapid fire. So with our industry rapid fire, I always tell our guests you can answer it. You know, for um, you know, working in the public space or being podcasters or employee engagement, just what however you want to answer it. Just keep it um, to like a professional industry. So the first question is: What is the biggest misconception about your industry?
2: The biggest misconception about employee engagement is that we are party planners who bring the beer and the ping pong tables and not to knock party planners. I love to plan a good party and I do plan a pretty good party, but Mm -hmm. I think in order for employee engagement to be successful, in order for it to be sustainable, as I mentioned, employee engagement needs to have a seat at the table with leaders who are willing to learn and to take on that information and really see and have that self awareness to say, okay, I'm here to lead and drive results in this area, but I, I recognize that these employee engagement folks are going to bring the people focus and the people side that maybe I might not think of first and foremost. But they're going to they're going to really enhance yes. and and make better everything that we're doing. So I think the misconception is that we're party planners, and we do plan fun parties. That's that's all good. I think that's a part of it, but we just want to make sure that. That there's so much more to it and it's really important to to take it seriously and, yes. and drive Preach. what you're what you're looking for. I I'll keep
0: this short because I know it's it's rapid fire, but truly we could do a whole episode on this because one of the top comments I would get is your job is so fun. You just like get to party all day. And I'm like, that's what you think. I get paid X <laughs> amount and do like 60 hours of work doing to plan a party. Shut up. So yeah. I love that. Yeah.
2: And it can be both. I mean right. I, I it can be both that your job is really fun and, and it but don't discount the fact that there is thought, there is strategy. Yes, yes. And, and, and the best employee engagement is is strategic and it is thoughtful and that's what brings about the amazing results that you're looking for with employee engagement.
0: Period. Sloan, what about you, darling? What is the biggest misconception about your industry?
1: Okay, I'll do sexual health. I think the yes. biggest misconception is that we're trying to encourage everyone to have sex and Mm -hmm. Mm. that we're not, that there isn't education, that sex is just as simple as laying down with someone. And it is not, it is deeper. It is you. you, it is what you want. It is what you need. It is what that person wants. It's what they need. And it is about growing and learning because what you do with one person isn't what you do with someone else. And also with one person, who you've been with for 40 years, they are not (laughs) the same from the beginning Mm -mm. that they will be at the end. Mm. So it's about that journey and sex is a natural uh, action that some of us choose to take and some of us don't, but it is natural and it is normal. And so I think it is normalizing the need to not just talk about like, oh, these are all the awful things that can happen if you have sex, but these are all the great things that can happen and greater things when you keep being willing to grow and learn.
0: Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Now for both of you, what is the least favorite part of your industry?
2: I think for me, the least favorite part would be kind of be the misconception i don't know if that's yeah. cheating but i no. think it's it's an oversimplification maybe of yeah. if we just check these boxes and throw some pool tables at it this will solve our problems and yes. understanding that again it's takes strategic strategic, thoughtful actions that are that seem small at first. And so it's, it's playing the long game. You can't just Ooh, jump in where yeah. there was no employee engagement before and drop a whole bunch of employee engagement on them because that is inauthentic, it's creepy, and nobody's <laughs> going to trust it. And rightly so. But then you have to convince leaders, again, who are in this like, okay, well, you're here. I need you to do all this stuff and sort of meter that with this is what's going to have an impact. This is what's going to seem genuine. This is the small step we can take today to build and build and build. I, I, it can't be oversimplified. It's a, it's just as important as any other function of the business.
0: Girl, I, ugh, it's a long game, absolutely. Sloan, what is
1: the what's your least favorite part? I'm actually going to switch to public health, which I yeah. think kind of interacts with sexual health as well. But I think the thing that's hardest for me in public health is not recognizing that we must address these disparities in order to reach full equity um, where people all have access to health care and all have the resources they need to be healthy, that people aren't just out here saying, I want to be unhealthy and die, that people do not have resources, they do not have the education, they do not have the clinics, they do not have the doctors, they do not have the trust with certain (laughs) doctors because of historical um, context around certain communities uh being having things done to them without their consent. So I think with public health is it's not like the reason I chose public health and well no, I tried to be a pharmacist, but it didn't work. But The reason I chose public health after sort of that one-on-one interaction that you have with a doctor, with a pharmacist, where they are focused on a specific patient, a specific regimen, because public health is looking at population health. And that is a big thing right now because of the pandemic is public health and people are looking for these answers. And it's like, oh, well, why can't you just do this? But that's why I got into it because public health is not about like, let me just put one person on a specific regimen that's tailored to them. It is trying to figure out how to help society be better, (sighs) to have increased health and achieve optimal health and that cannot be happening without addressing homelessness without addressing Mm. food insecurity without addressing poverty without addressing racism without addressing sexism without um addressing health education disparity so i think the hardest thing for me is when people say why can't we just do this and i'm like well why can't you just (laughs) be a better nation like because that's what we need. So I I think that's my hardest thing is that it's not just about one particular disease because if you look at every disease, there are these disparities that exist. And the reason is because of these social determinants of health that we do not address with neighborhoods and with access. So
0: perfect. Yes. And what is the best thing about your industry or profession?
2: I love that I get to go to work every day and make work more human and make yeah make things better even if it's in a tiny way even if it's for one single person my i feel like my job is to help people feel seen at work for their whole person you know and and i think that's tough because it's very intangible that my job is to go to work yeah. and learn my coworkers spouses names and their kids names and their dogs yeah. names and where they go on vacation and ask them about it and yep. just understand that any any brightness or any light that, that we can shine and, and make the world a better place, like one interaction at a time, I will tell anyone I have the best job in the whole company right. and in the whole world. I'm such a nerd about it. I just, I think making work more human is so important and it's what's going to Sustain everyone as they work because work alone is not sustainable. We need to make sure that we're taking care of our people first and foremost.
0: Absolutely. Again, whole episode can be done on that topic. Um, what about you, Sloan? What is like, what's the thing that you look forward to every day or the thing that really lights you up?
1: I think what lights me up is giving people the information to make informed decisions. I love when people come back to me and say, because you said Mm. this, I did this differently. I did not know that this was the reason rates were high for HIV among black women because of these reasons. And now I'm making a different decision. Like Mm. I think to know that just, you know, a quick conversation and then, well, that's on my daily, you know, my sex fair page, but also these long term communication campaigns that people are seeing out in the world that when they're seeing that, that they're being informed about something that's going to impact their life for the better. Because I think that's what I love about my field the most is prevention is power that Ooh, you use when yeah. you educate and you learn bef- and you prevent something from happening That's the world to you, to your family, um, and to your contribution to society, because you're still here doing what we need you to do.
0: And then the final question is, what is the hiccup or failure you would never change about your journey or that you are the most grateful for?
2: Oh, man, I think I would go back to, it's not a hiccup or failure, really. So maybe this isn't a full answer. But I would go back to 2013, Marcy, who was graduating with her master's and just thought she was supposed to have the whole world figured out and thought she was supposed to have a job when she walked across that stage and Mm. thought she was supposed to just have it all together. And I didn't. And I walked across the stage and I got a job at a temp agency and I was embarrassed that I did not have a job right out of school. And now I look back and think that was pretty... It was pretty hard, harsh to yourself, Marcy, yes. but that led me to the training and development space, that led me to HR, then that led yep. me to my current job in employee engagement. And so it was all supposed to happen that way. Wow. And yeah. so... Just telling 2013 Marcy to chill out (laughs) and let this hiccup be okay because I thought it was a hiccup that I was moving in with Evan. I didn't have a job. I couldn't help him pay rent. I was so stressed out and that hiccup took me exactly where I needed to be and I'm so sure right now that I'm exactly where I need to be Um, and part of that is because of where I started. So I
1: love that.
0: I love that. Oh my god. And same. I also worked at a temp agency and was like what the f- what am I doing? Like this isn't, you know, cuz you compare yourself to everyone and now I'm so grateful cuz I got to try so many different industries. Like I it, it, to the point, I kind of fell in love with temp agency work, and that's so. Anyway, again, I can probably just do a, diff- a whole episode on that. Um, and Miss Sloan, what is the hiccup or failure you are the most grateful for?
1: Um, so many hiccups. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out the one that's the I think I'm the most grateful for. You know, I think. Um, Professionally and personally, it's just being okay with my plans not working out the way they were supposed yeah. to. Mm-hmm. I think that was a consistent hiccup of like, I'm supposed to be doing this and I'm not doing that. And um, after I left Purdue, I moved to Birmingham for my master's, but my car was breaking down every you know moment that I drove. <laughs> I had no money. I was eight hours away from my family and I was working at Macy's and I had no furniture and I stuck it out and I had a baby and I wasn't planning on it and yeah. I stuck it out, you know, and all of those hiccups I think has taken me to where I am now, which is uh, I like me. And I think mm-hmm. the, the the hiccups made me think like, I don't like this. I don't like who I'm becoming. And all the hiccups took me to, to this sloan and I like her a lot.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love, well, truly, this is so, like, I don't mean to be cheesy, but guys, I feel like the three of us really, because that's how I feel as well. And I, I'm exactly where I want to be. We're just talking to both of you and being connected through things that we're all passionate about. And it's very beautiful, I guess is the word that I'll use. It is. Yeah. It is. I love it. And with that, guys, where can everyone keep up with you and where can they check out your podcast?
2: We are on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So you can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we are also on Instagram as Never Black and White. Sloan has a page too.
1: Yes, you can find us at It's Never Black and White. And also you can find me at Sloan the Sexpert. Mm. If you want to get some fun sexual health information and tips for the bedroom. Love it. And all of those will be in the show note.
0: You guys, thank you so much for being here. And I have to have you guys back on next season. And with that, thank you for listening to Office Politics. Have a great day. They are so awesome and so much fun. Um, This episode was really, really cathartic for me because it's nice when we're reminded that we are little less different than we think um so marcy and sloan have become really special people in my life and i hope that um you know, you're disabled to take this conversation into your own friendships no matter what they look like but again guys they are the podcast hosts of it's never black and white please go subscribe and show them some love and if you like this episode maybe subscribe show me some love okay 2021 good vibes only Actually, just, you know, scratch that. Just, we're just here. We're just chilling.
1: All right. See you in the next episode.